Hi, folks. I do not have any content warnings at this time, which curses me to probably having to come back and re-record this section uh, later. Physical injury, because I'm going to bitch about my back. Oh, out. that's true. That's true. Uh, also, we live in a house with animals, and they tend to interrupt. I expect at least one cat to assault me while we're recording. And the final thing to note is that we swear a lot, and I anticipate a lot more swearing because of the personal injury we were talking about in the content warning. So, hey, welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 184. Uh, I'm having an exciting week. It would appear that everything is now starting to move forward really rapidly at work. So I am just, it's roll with the punches time and get all the stuff done, because that's what I got to do. Uh, but also, I have completed my 21 days of productivity articles for opensource.com. Not all of them are released yet, but they are all with my editor, which is a glorious thing. That means I am 99.9% .9 done, and I have been linking those in the articles page of productivityalchemy.com, so you can go check them out if you haven't been watching them real-time and all that good stuff. So the big adventure this past week was... On Thursday, I get a phone call, please come to the truck and help me because my back has gone out. Oh, lordy. I should, I should probably say that um, I, uh, I did the, the thing you shouldn't do, but I did it anyway, oh, knowing yeah. full well I probably shouldn't do it because, uh, because don't most of us do that. Um, oh, every time. Uh, I have a bad back. I, it's it's genetic, as a matter of fact. My father has it the exact same way. Every couple of years, it will go out, usually in a blaze of glory. Um, <laughs> the absolute worst, of course, being the, the spectacular uh, digger signing Palooza, oh, yeah, yeah. which has never been equaled in terms of agony or inconvenience. True. Uh, but uh, it, it, that was the one where I wound up crawling to the bathroom on all fours. I've never been there since. Thankfully, um, hello, orange. Cat, it went out for the first time notes. when I was eighteen and uh, had taken up wheel throwing in ceramics class. So uh, this is this is a long term thing. Oh, don't do that to the stickers, orange. And cat. my my doctor. Uh, first of all, what happened was my hips started hurting, and that was weird because occasionally my hips do hurt, and it feels like I've pinched a nerve or something. Because let's face it, I'm middle aged and fat, and that happens to you. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, and it hasn't happened nearly as much since we got the new mattress. The old mattress was death oh, for yeah. that. My hips were always in pain. We got a new mattress. All of a sudden, my hips didn't hurt anymore. And I'm like, oh, I get it. This isn't me. This is the fucking mattress. Uh, anyway, so life tip for anyone wondering. And, but my hips started to hurt while I was sitting in the car. I'm like, that's weird. Because normally my hips don't hurt. You know, and it didn't feel like my back going out. It felt like both hips were in shooting, were having shooting pains, and I'm like, that's very strange. And then I went to the liquor store, which has a flight of brick steps, and I went up them and went, okay, this is bad. Uh, this is not good at all. I think my back <laughs> may be going out. I should go home and take it easy. But I also have to do the grocery shopping, so I'll do the grocery this shopping. This is the stupid moment right there. And then I'll come home and take it easy. Well, the grocery shopping had to get done, and I was out. And my thought when I'm in pain is usually that I'm going to be in pain wherever I am, so I might as well get something done while I'm in pain. 
Kevin is looking at me. Doctors have also given me this look over the years. Hold on, hold on. Let me adjust my glasses. <laughs> oh, now we're getting. I'm getting looked at over the glasses. Yeah. But yeah, my my sense is usually no matter what happens, I'm going to be in pain. The pain will not change materially wherever I am, so I might as well get something done. Uh, weirdly, I also live in the constant belief that I am an extremely lazy human being. So uh, you know, square yeah. square this circle if you can. So I uh, went to the grocery store, and by the end of that, I was, like, possibly lifting the bags of cat food and whatnot, and mm-hmm. and the stuff on the bottom, yeah, okay, and uh, this was not the smartest thing I've ever done. Uh, by the time I get home, I'm just like, well, fuck my life. And I call Kevin. Well, first I honked shaving a haircut like three times, and he didn't hear me. I had my headphones on, and <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, some loud stuff. I so, think that might have been music at that point. Yeah, yeah uh, so the neighbors think we're freaks. but um, They already thought that. Uh, so then I just called, and uh, it was like, yes, my back is out. But I did learn an interesting thing. Um, I had never realized this before. If you call your doctor when your back goes out, sometimes they can do things for you. Normally, I just lay in bed praying for death and take whatever painkillers are not too terribly expired from the last time I had dental work. Kevin is staring at me over his glasses again. But I, I was good this time. I We're called my time. doctor yes, and, and had a telehealth visit. And she was like, all right, uh, somebody's done uh, like a, a, I don't know if it's a CT scan or an MRI or something on your back, right? What did that show? And I'm like... No one's ever done that. And she's like, why has no one ever done that? And I warred between I didn't always have good insurance and I have literally never thought to call a doctor when my back went out before. And The decided, two are related. Yes, and decided that I would get yelled at less for not having had good insurance. And she sort of, she gave the the exasperated but not at you sigh that doctors give in yeah. that, that case and is like, I would like to take a look at your back sometime and see what the discs are doing. And, but as with everything else, I assume that's on hold until the plague is over. But then she's like, okay, so here's what I can tell you. The literature on back pain is terrible and there's not very much of it. We don't even know why it happens most of the time. So, and I'm like, I'm so thrilled you're admitting this to me. She's (laughs) like, what, am I going to lie? I like this doctor. Uh, the trick to getting a good doctor, I have found, is to befriend the receptionist because there is massive churn at all of these uh, at these places, these corporate health places, yeah. among the doctors. So you get one for a year tops usually, but you befriend the receptionist because the receptionist is there for life. Oh, yeah. And once she knows, and it's almost always a woman, uh, prefer- usually the, the middle-aged, take-no-shit woman, once she knows what you're like... She will, uh, you'll be like, uh, she'll be like, your doctor left, you need a new one. And I'm like, okay, who do you suggest would fit with my sense of humor? And then she'll think for like 30 seconds, be like, I'm giving you Dr. Poston. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's the, the only, I, I guess, drawback. I mean, advantage and drawback to my, my doctor's office. 
because they are a private practice that doesn't isn't beholden to the insurance companies and things like that. I've had the same doctor for 20-some years now, and the same receptionist at the doctor's place for 20-some years now. And I had that, and it was glorious. Yeah. And, uh, and then the doctor uh, basically got out of it completely, and now is like, I only do cosmetic surgery now. I am done with frickin' dealing with insurance. Yeah. And honestly, if I wanted a facelift, I'd go to him, but... Uh, yeah, I don't need a facelift. Um, anyway, what I needed was my back. She's like, so we're giving you steroids. And I'm like, whoa, that never occurred to me. That's an anti-inflammatory. My back muscles are inflamed. She's like, okay, here's take the notes. Here's how many Tylenol you take and how many yep. you know, aspirin you take and how many uh, uh, the steroid pack will have its own instructions. You get the lidocaine over the counter because they'll charge you hundreds of bucks for one more percent of lidocaine. Yeah. It's and kind of... here's your muscle relaxers. Most muscle relaxers are shit. These are, well, she didn't say shit or she might have said crap. These actually kind of work. I don't like any of them, but this is the best. And, uh, well, all right then. Yes. So I'm like loaded up with all of these meds and it's improving. Um, except that I've been stuck, you know, partly in bed for days. And we're on, uh, yeah, it's Tuesday. So we are on day one, two, three, four, five, six now. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, it went out Thursday, so it's more like five and a half, but yeah. Uh, and I hate it. I hate it a lot. I don't, I'm not good at it. I am getting depressed and, you know, I, I did a wallow in self-pity for a while and now I'm just morose and feeling guilty that I'm not accomplishing things because I could be typing, damn it. My fingers aren't broken. I, we, we had that discussion earlier. You're like, I should be working. I'm like, what does your brain, what does your body tell you? My, my, I'm kind of tired. And and what does your brain? My brain just wants to look at Pinterest on on these fashion things, and I'm like, you need to listen to your body in this case. Yes, but I feel guilty. And yesterday, I made all of my word count and did stuff and triaged my email, and I did some art over the weekend for a thing, and so I've gotten some stuff done. But mostly, I'm just feeling unproductive and guilty that I am not doing stuff, and also I'm in pain, which makes me, you know, more depressed. So honestly, I could be doing a lot better. And this is normal. Yeah, it is totally normal. Per perfectly normal, you know, uh, and I, a lot of people go through this and then they are mad at themselves or they push themselves. That's the worst. Like they push themselves too soon. And I have done this. They're not better yet. They're, but they're going to power through it. And then you just like you're worse for another day or two. I am really looking forward to doing that about Thursday. Yeah, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you are. And then... Maybe tomorrow I'll be able to drive in a car. Oh, well. I mean, I, I do have to go out tomorrow, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Oh, well, if you have to go out tomorrow, then maybe I can, like, make puppy dog eyes at me until you pick me up a California roll. Well, yeah, we'll figure something out. Yes. Anyway, the, the, the point is, this is perfectly normal. Anyone else who is familiar with pain debilitating pain and having your back go out is debilitating pain let's not lie it's i mean i for the most part i'm very lucky like i'm i'm healthy as a horse 99.9 percent .9 of the time yeah i my chronic issues can all be controlled by taking a pill 
But, man, your back goes out, and there is that moment when you are just suspended in the void with the god of back pain. I mean, it is it is breathtakingly agonizing. And the god of back pain is a motherfucker, <laughs> is what he is. Uh, you know, it, I, uh, I am not over-dramatizing to say that the, the moment when you twist and it hits, or your muscle spasm is basically... It is you know Frodo on Mount Doom going? Uh, you know <laughs> I am in. All I see is the wheel of fire, and <laughs> it's like yeah, right, that, yeah, I know what that's like. My back has gone out too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, yes. um, but that's our. Uh, that's been our week basically. Yes, and, and then I'm feeling guilty because you know poor Kevin. Ha- I can't do anything like. Uh, I can load the top rack of the dishwasher, but yeah. I, none of the I can't take the trash out because I'd have to bend over too far. And then I'm like, oh, God, I'm making Kevin do all this extra work. I am terrible, and and he does so much, and I am not worthy. And then I go mope some more. Uh, uh, we're, we're working on that. We really are working on that, I hope. So let me give her the, the look over the glasses again. You know. Promise you won't leave me for someone younger with a better back? I will not leave you for someone younger with a better back because where the hell am I going to find a full package like you Aww. with a better back? Aww, I don't know, but I will kill them if I find them. There can only be one. <laughs> Although they'll have the advantage because their back won't be out. <laughs> I'll have to snipe. So, yeah, that, that's been our week. Um, and I have no good segue. I have no good segue uh, this week. Um, I had a chance to sit down with Mary-Kate Gulick, who wrote wrote a book about um, uh, being a real-deal expert, or about real-deal experts and not bullshit gurus. And uh, I had a really good time talking to Mary-Kate, and we'll get the full title for for the book, and uh, you can hear that conversation right after this. Hi, folks. I am here with Mary-Kate Gulick, and I'm really excited because uh, this is someone I found through uh, Larissa, who we had on a couple weeks ago, and I'm all ready to find out how... And I have to ask, because I have friends who are very particular about this, is it Mary or Mary-Kate? I love that you just asked me that. It's Mary-Kate. I tell people you can call me Mary-Kate, you can call me MK, you can call me Mare. Just don't call me Mary because I won't answer to it. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, I well, um, one of our friends is uh, Mary Robinette, and uh, I think I'm one of the few people she doesn't get mad at if I don't call her Mary Robinette because I've known her since high school. Um, uh-huh. 
you have special privileges then. Right. Yeah. There, there are a couple of us who can get away with it. And the, everybody else needs to remember that it's Mary Robinette, not Mary. So yeah, Mary Kate is here with us today. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk about productivity because it's my, my favorite thing to always work on and never, ever achieve perfectly. Right. Um, so can you tell us uh, about yourself and what it is you do? Sure. I run a company called Real Deal Content Coaching. So I work with, basically, I work with people who are coming out of a corporate or clinical day job that they've been in forever, and they've developed all of this brilliant expertise, and they've decided, you know what? I know a lot of stuff. I should go take all my genius on the road, um, but they don't really know how to go about getting that all that know-how out into the world. So that's what I help them with. I help them take all that goodness in their noggins and turn it into compelling online content so they can find the right people. Cool. Um, and so, and that's your your full time gig. You're not like yeah, me who has a day job on top of it. I have a day job on top of that too. Oh, so, okay. And it's a day job I'll never give up because I like it too much. I am an executive creative director for a small boutique advertising agency that focuses on nonprofits. Oh, so, oh okay. Yeah. No, I see why. You do not want to do that with your time. Right. Um, and I, I like that it's focused on nonprofits because there's a lot of people don't realize how much goes into that. Oh my, that's a fact. Well, when you work in a nonprofit, you are everything. You well, you wear all the hats and you right. have, if you're doing marketing, I remember I took over marketing for a nonprofit once a long time ago and it was, I thought I was going to go in and do marketing strategy. Well, I went in and I was doing marketing strategy, all of the copywriting, all of the content management, all of the web development, all of the video editing. And I'm just like, I don't know how to do web development. I don't know how to do video <laughs> editing. Well, I figured it out. So right. they really need partners who understand the kind of strain that they're under. Yeah. And uh, having, I'm currently on the board of a nonprofit. I have been on the boards or involved with nonprofits on and off for the last, hold on, math is hard, 20 yeah. years. Not supposed to do the math, but there we go. 25 years, something like that. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I understand. And there's always that that moment where, and ours are small and generally self-funded and marketing hasn't been a big focus kind of thing. Um, but it's hard if you don't have that those skills coming in because you have to know or you have to recruit volunteers to do it and then not overload your volunteers and burn them out, which is always a problem. Always a problem. Yeah. So to do all that between the day job and owning your own company and doing appearances like this, um, how do you stay productive? You know, um, one of my... I have I have two things that I have come to rely on over the years that have never every time I try to change them, I just always keep coming back to them. One of them, OBS, is my calendar. Um, I can't. And that's my my digital calendar that tells me where I'm supposed to be when, like the hard dates and the hard times of things, the thing that goes boop and lets me know I'm supposed to be somewhere. But that is not a complete system that just lets me know, you know, if I'm about yeah. to miss a thing. What has been really important to me, and this has evolved over the years, is a paper planner. I have tried countless times to transition to an electronic planning system. I can't really? do it. I strongly believe, and maybe it's because I'm, you know, I came up as a writer and this is just how we're wired, but I really believe that the actual act of writing with a pen helps me to internalize and remember and, you know, just get more value of what I'm putting in it. 
So I've had a million different paper planners. And what I'm doing now is I customize my own paper planner every half year. So it only has exactly what I need in it. I don't need a calendar in my paper planner because I have a digital calendar. I don't, you know, there's so much that I don't need. So all I have on a given day in my planner is it says what it says priority. So what is your priority? The one thing that you need to accomplish today to make it a good day. And then what my meditation mantra is. And then I have four very short to-do lists. Each one has three items and no more than three items. What I need to do for work, what I need to do for my health, what I need to do for my community, and what I need to do for my family. And that's it. Um, And then the other thing is just a section, how I section out my day, morning, afternoon, and evening. Mm -hmm. So when am I going to do these things? And then I kind of triage them to those areas because that's how I break up my day. And I've tried to assign things to specific block, you know, to a specific hour. Works, man. It's overcomplicated. <laughs> so I just assign it. I look at my to dos and I say, okay, I'm going to do this in the morning. I'm going to do this one in the afternoon. I'm going to do this one in the evening. And then I have much more flexibility within those times, those blocks to um, to manage what I'm doing. So that's what I use. It's not perfect, and I'm always finding new things and looking for new ways. Oh, yeah. But right now, this is like my baseline, and these are the things that I can't function without. I mean, I'm an IT professional, and I have my file effects. Amen, right? brother. And uh, I have, I have, I, I keep coming back to that, and it's the same thing. There's actually a term for it: kinesthetic oh. learning. Oh, yeah. Where you remember things better if you write them down. I only found out about this in the last couple months doing interviews, right? So there's, there's, there's a whole thing about how you learn better by writing things down versus rote memorization or. <laughs> Um, you know, watching videos and, you know, like the passive thing, the act of actively writing it for some people actually helps cement it in their memory, in their brains. I will tell you something ridiculous that I am very familiar with the term kinesthetic learning. I never applied it to that particular use case. I always thought kinesthetic learning was like, I learn better if I'm standing up and pacing. I learn better when I'm, you know, um, which is why I have a standing desk, which is why I walk everywhere on the phone, you know. but I guess that completely fits. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, and and I, I had a teacher. I think I, it was uh, either middle school or high school who was like, you know, you need to take notes because when you write something down, it does X amount. I didn't get the official term, or it's like ninety percent retention or something. I didn't get the official term for it until like two months ago. So it's like, oh, a new word that not only is applicable, but is fun to say. It's so fun to say. I love new words. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is all, it's basically a homebrew system, and that's great. Uh, so many people are, are doing that. Do you ever, like, I sit down about once a week and kind of rectify, not rectify, um, rectify is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true up my digital, my, my calendar calendar with my planner. Generally, I do. And it is once a week. The the other kind of pages in my custom planner, I have like my monthly goals and things like that, the way that I do things. But then each week there is a spot. My weekend days look different. And on Sunday, there's a specific, you know, amount of time set forward for weekly planning. And that is mm-hmm. part of it. looking at what's on the. Um, and, you know, for me, Kevin, it's more about capacity than anything. Looking at what's on my right. digital calendar that says, OK, I have 28 hours worth of meetings this week. What can I you know, what can I realistically get done in that time? You know, 
Um, and if, you know, on, on a given Thursday, if I'm going to have a, a nonprofit board meeting or something like that, there's no evening work getting done at that, you yeah. know. So really figuring out what the capacity is for the week, because there's I think I'm not the only one who has this habit of being like at the beginning of the week. What am I going to do this week? I'm going to do all the things, you know, I'm going to accomplish everything. And then you just get so darn disheartened by the fact that you can't check those things off the list. So for me, and this is an old you're an IT guy, so you're probably familiar enough with agile, um, you know, when you at, you know, everybody's capacity for the week. Okay. You have 22 hours. You can take 22 story points for the week and that's all you can have. It's very similar to that. I, I don't story point them out or anything, but I, I'm like, okay, Mary Kate, you can literally do about 28 hours worth of work this week. So what's it going to be on? So this is, that's actually funny is um, I've been taking a lot more uh, tickets at work. Right. We're trying to get through a whole bunch of like tech debt and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I, if I go in and I look at the ticket system, there's no way to work around that. So I'm going to grab it. I just talked about it on this week's show. Um, there's a company that makes these little magnetic whiteboardish things Ooh. with magnetic post it notes on it. I um, love it. Like a baby con. So, it's a mini Kanban board. And since it's magnetic, I've got a metal strip on top of my work monitor. That where it lives. So at any time, instead of having to go see, okay, what what's left on my list, I can just look up and here are my here like the just dedicated to my work tasks. That's awesome. So I can see what's in flight, what I've got done, what I what's next on my priority, and in my weekly one on one with my boss, when we're talking about it, I'll be like, oh, hold on, and grab another little tile here and write down on it and add it to the the list, not just. And I also put the uh, ticket number on there so that when I forget what ticket it's related to, I can <laughs> find it quickly. Let me put that back. Oh. I love that. I think that's brilliant. I'm in the process of trying yeah. to transition my work team over to a, a more Kanban friendly system. All advertising agencies kind of run on waterfall just by default, you know? Yeah, yeah. Strategy, and then it goes to the writer, and then it goes to the designer, and then it, you know, and then it goes to the developer. And it's like, no, 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 no. Um, and for the last seven years in all of my work environments, we've done basically what I, you know, kind of scrum on, you know, I don't feel like you can yeah. do marketing work via scrum because marketing work is too unpredictable. Um, oh, I know. But Kanban's really useful for it. And it's a really good way for everyone to always know where things are and to manage expectations, you know, within the team. So yeah. Um, yeah. I really love what you have though, because I've always wanted to transition that to my to my out of day job. <laughs> you know, my to my kids just even be like every day, you know, when you make your bed, move your move your card from doing to done and then you'll feel better. Um, yeah, yeah. And they make I, I I was looking at it when when the pandemic started and we had we have a couple friends who now live with us because for them to live alone were they to get sick it would be catastrophic because they don't have any other support network. Yeah. Right? But then came that whole sort of negotiation of okay, the dishes need to be done every day. But if we don't have some sort of a system or a rota or something, then one person ends up doing all the dishes mm-hmm. and everybody gets angry. Yes. Or the bathroom never gets cleaned except by one person and everybody gets angry. Um, and so while I was looking through that, did you know they make um, – it's for teachers. If you look at school supplies, they have these cloth boards, They're these cloth things with index card-sized um, 
clear plastic inserts mm -hmm. that could be used as a giant Kanban board. That I I was just I yeah you're yeah. already like down the top. down for the kids because mm -hmm. yeah and and it's it's um it can provide that sort of central information radiator where you can put it someplace it's not you know it's not utilitarian it's it's kind exactly. of mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a little more kid friendly uh, than a lot oh my god some of the things they have for when I was when my kids were younger and I had to start figuring out like chore charts and things like that I like yeah. these are all terrible these are terrible yes. We have much better options now, completely. Yes. Yeah. And especially right now, because we're all home, my kids are being are doing e-learning. So um, so I'm working from home. My husband's working from home. My kids are e-learning. We've never spent, I mean, we were nine months in the same house constantly. And right. like, we need more systems to keep from just like stepping all over each other. I was, uh, on the one hand, I'm incredibly lucky um, in that my oldest son lives in another state and is working and unfortunately he's classed as an essential worker oh. but yeah he's been fine and their company seems to be handling things okay um my other son graduated from high school and there's a requirement that he live on campus for his first for his freshman year at his university even now even now although all of the steps they've taken um i think we're looking at about a population of about uh since august and they're out of class now, uh, and a population of about 4,000 people, 17 coronavirus cases. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm like, group. the school has it, that school has it down. Not the rest of the schools in North Carolina, but that school at least has it down. Good for them. Jeez. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So we've, we've kind of touched on a lot of this stuff. I've got your paper planner. We've talked about Agile and, and Scrum Van and that sort of thing. These are all, you know, like the systems you're using. What other systems and habits are important to you or are you using on the regular? I mean, I will tell you the most important habit to me that I am, I am perpetually struggling to get right is I do better and I get more done if this is like the biggest no-brainer statement you'll ever hear when I get up early. Um, like very early, like 4.45 in the morning. Um, wow. And when I do that, I get my workout done. Mm -hmm. I eat breakfast I'm supposed to eat. I do my meditation. I do my planning for the day. I get some professional development out of the way before I ever start working. And it is, and at that point, when I actually sit down to do the work that's most important to me, I am so alive and refreshed and like ready to make stuff happen that by 10 a.m. I have that that big priority box on my paper planner that mm -hmm. has been knocked out in a really satisfactory way, a way that I feel really good about. And on those days, like the difference in my performance on a day when I get up at 4.45 a.m. versus a day when I roll out of bed at 7.15 and just like cram some food in my face and show up for a meeting, you know, with... Right, right a necklace and lipstick on. So I look like I'm trying. Um, it is completely different. I spend the rest of the day just trying to pull it together and trying to, you know, just suture all the parts of my day into some kind of cohesive, you know, flow. I'm just showing up for things, but I, I, I always consider that I, I, I have this identity issue that I'm not a morning person. So I struggle with <laughs> And even though I know from evidence, I know that empirically 
the work that gets done, there's more work that gets done and it's better work that gets done those days. So for me, that is a routine that in the coming years of my life is something that I'm going to continue to fight that battle. And I'm going to, because I, it is so worth it for me and what it does for my health, what it does for my work, what it does for my, my happiness. Um, that's the most important important habit for me above and beyond anything because I consider it like that kind of keystone habit that sets all other habits you know um when it's not working things go bad when it is working things are great so that for me that's the ongoing challenge and the habit that's that's most critical to the ongoing high performance yeah and I've I've had various discussions um and it's different for everybody there is this common sort of belief in the productivity uh, marketplace in the, you know, and the blogs and things that you absolutely positively must get up early. Everyone who does this gets up early. You know, that doesn't work for everybody. If it works for you, fantastic. I'm really impressed. Uh, If the dogs get me up at 4.30 or if I get up at 4.30, I'm going to have a terrible day because my body clock is geared differently. You know? I want to be able to, and that's the thing is that I've always tried to been like, you know, when I do my best work, I do my best work between 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. And that's when I do my best work. <laughs> I don't. I, I want to, you know, I want to believe that about myself. And I've put that, I've had that schedule be default for most of my professional life. Right. And it's not the best work from me, you know. And th- I think it's been, it's harder now knowing that I do better work when I get up early because it's like, Darn it. You know, I really liked the way it was before. I really liked staying up late and sleeping in. Like that's, that's what I enjoyed. And I feel obligated to get up early because even though my, my body clock is fighting it, but my Mm -hmm. brain is really into it. So I have this weird little conflict happening, but it's, it's an important one for me just because I, I've, for me, I've seen the results and now I feel like I just have to get my mindset on board because I'm just talking myself out of it at this point. Yeah. That's what it is. I think it, it, it's also interesting. I know that when I was working for a company, and I've been remote since 2011. Mm-hmm. Right? So so coming into 2020, I was ready. I had everything set up and good to go. Uh, yeah. But the company I, were, I, I started doing this full time for uh, was based on the West Coast primarily. Mm-hmm. And I always got a whole lot of work done between 9 a.m. and about 11 a.m. Eastern because I live on the East Coast because the West Coast didn't come on, start coming online until about 11 a.m. Eastern. Right. There's something about that quiet time, that no distraction time. A little harder now that I work for a company that has, you know, things going on 24-7 and, you know, across six continents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're on six out of seven continents. Um kind of thing so it's like you walk in and it's like okay so the first thing i have to do is catch up and see what i missed overnight exactly. right but um which means that i've also had to realize that now my best working time is probably is later in the day but not late at night mm-hmm. because by then i've caught up my brain is fully engaged and hopefully i am in that glorious window between europe and uh, <laughs> asia where no meetings are scheduled because if you're in, yeah if you're in North America you want we, we try to schedule the meetings so that either the Europeans or the Asians can the the people in Asia can participate and then and alternate weeks on those so mm-hmm. I might have a like one week I might have a lot of morning meetings the next I'll have a lot of afternoon meetings so I got to get that window in between the two that's a rough 
But I love that you, I mean, you've kind of nailed down your best time, right? That yeah, afternoon yeah. time. And I, I'm really envious of that because afternoon time, I'm useless. I'm useless. And I've told my teams over the years, don't schedule concepting and brainstorm meetings in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I will give you nothing. You're getting nothing from me. Schedule things about timelines and about budget and about things that don't require any creative thought on my part, because right. that I can give you that, you know, all day long. But if you want good creative work from me, you're getting it between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. And that's the end of it. Um, right. And then, and if you want to work with me after nine, then I could give you more creative work, but <laughs> it won't be as good as the 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Yeah, I, I tend to, I, I now have, uh, I've had to schedule in sort of a, this is where, this time block right here is for me. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, literally at this point in time, somewhere between 11 and, and midnight, this is when I need to start the wind down. I got to, you know, put away everything else I was working on, maybe play some games, uh, read a book. Uh, if we're watching cozy murder mysteries, because we've been all about the cozy murder mysteries lately. Um you know, a couple of those. So love it. No, nope time. That's what I put on on my calendar. I have blocks that say, nope. And it's my team. It's not just, you can't set a meeting with me. It's you can't ping me. You can't Mm -hmm. call me. You can't text me. I don't care what's happening. First of all, there's no such thing as a content and marketing emergency. We are not curing cancer and we are not saving lives. We are, we are creating content. And while it is very important, there is no such thing as an emergency. So if I put 90 minutes of nope time, you just can't get me. And everybody yeah. understands that. And I also think it's important to set that example for people that you own your time. Um, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you work for people or both, um, you own your time and you're the one who gets to say how it's used. Yeah. Uh, and I want, I mean, the, and the people who work for me too, I know one of, one of our um, developers, she's like, I, I do Peloton. This is what I do between, you know, 11 a.m. and 11.45. And I'm like, great, mark it out. We will never book you for a meeting. Own your calendar. Um, and it's, and I feel like especially younger creatives and even younger entrepreneurs feel like they don't have the right to that. That if a client wants to talk to me, then I'm going to make the time for it. It's like, nope. You know, make show them what you have available. Let them choose from that, and that's all there is to it. Not because you're not dedicated, but because you can't function at your best when you're not giving yourself the time that you need to be um, to be tip top health wise, rest wise. Um, and you know, sometimes you want to make your own lunch instead of just cramming oh, yeah. your face. And these are important things. I make my own lunch every day because it's just I, I know that way. I know exactly what I'm getting. Plus. Where yep. am I going to go? <laughs> right. Where am I going to go? We had a stress for a while. Our family had COVID. And when my husband, oh. um, the kids and I were, we just got like little headaches. My husband was really, really sick. And while he was really, really sick, it was just kind of like survival mode for the rest of mm-hmm. us. Like take out every meal. It was awful. Like we all felt terrible, but it was like we were only eating just to put calories in our body. But that's right. not a way to live. You need time to, um, to eat proper meals, to rest, Mm -hmm. to recuperate. And building that time in your calendar, I think is a habit that we need to be teaching our employees um, from the day they come into the workforce, that they have that right and that we should empower them to, to take ownership of that time. And to push back. I I had um, in, in one job, one of my more recent jobs, I I had a thing where um, 
I'm on the East Coast, like I said, they were on the West Coast, and it was always, we want a meeting first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning. Well, that's 9 a.m. their time, which is noon here. Yeah. So, and even if I blocked out, like, this is the time when I'm going to eat lunch, mm-hmm. they would still be like, nope, we have to have this meeting first thing in the morning, and there was no respect for anybody else's time. Um, it wasn't until we were literally standing in front of, uh, we, were, we were going through one of the government certifications for the company. Mm-hmm. We're standing in Washington, D.C., and they're like, all right, so we're going to, we should set up a weekly check-in, and we should set that up for, uh, um, how does 9 a.m. Pacific sound? And I looked at him, and I said, you schedule meetings for 9 a.m. Pacific for everything. That is lunchtime here. Perhaps we can find a later time. And I'm standing in front of, you know, all the East Coast government people, and right. our guy's like, you know, that's fair. Maybe we should. How does 3 p.m. work? And we'll take that hit on lunch. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's Thank what I thought. you. Yeah. <laughs> Ask for what you need. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to, to do that, especially if you're an individual <laughs> contributor versus a manager. Yeah. Do you feel like it's an age thing, too? Because I feel like when I was younger, I mean, I would never have. It was just like, yep, if that's when you want to meet, that's when we'll meet and I'll make it happen. And being helpfulness, helpful and being, you know, showing your dedication constantly was how you felt like you were going to get ahead. I don't know what happened, but like I turned 40 and suddenly I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, I won't even go to the movie theater and buy snacks. I go in with my snacks in hand, showing them to everybody. What are you going to do? You're going to step to me and tell me I can't bring green tea and an RX bar in? Go ahead. Like, ask for what you need. And And I I think there is some of that. As you get older, you become more protective of it. Um, There's also, at least for people like us, sort of in this same age category, uh, that the electronic tools have made it both easier and harder to do. Like, I can just go out and send a calendar invitation, and if they say yes or maybe, I, I just assume they have free time and it'll happen. Right. Uh, Back in the day when it was like, okay, let's sit down and check our paper calendars and, you know, maybe email back and forth or get on the phone to try to figure out when we can do this. It was a lot different because then you could say, no, that time doesn't work for me. Yes. You know. Um, And now people are like, well, that time does work for you because I'm looking at your calendar and it's like, God, I had other. Yeah, it's it's a That's why I use the doodle scheduler for for these interviews. Scheduler. It's so great. Yeah, the the bit where I can say, okay, these are the times I have open, and it will let you put them anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I do too, not with a different tool, but it makes me very happy to, to yes. not have to have those conversations at all and not have to negotiate. Yeah, especially when it, it the negotiation is usually no, this is the only time I have for this meeting, so you rearrange around me, not <laughs> the other way around. And I'm like, right. Yeah, a couple people I'm never going to work with again because of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth not working with them. People need to yeah. respect each other's time, and it's it's just human decency. Yeah. So any other systems and habits? Um, you know, those are the big ones. I think, oh, well, I have a, I have a virtual assistant, which has totally changed my life. Um, really? Oh, my word. <laughs> yes. And I. it's not just for professionals. of the um, technical things that I can do, I'm perfectly capable of doing, but they just take so much bloody time, you know, setting up funnels and dealing with my email automations and all of, and doing all my Canva 
things for, for social media week after week. Like I can do them all, but it's just a time suck. So she right. does that. And then, you know, I'm on a couple of bo- nonprofit boards where I have to do a lot of, you know, marketing things. And then there's layout with that. And I'm like, great, I'm going to send this off to you. You can do that. Um, okay, so and it's just I, have like to, bond- I have to back up because I guess I missed the important key when the network flipped on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're sending a virtual assistant, I'm guessing. Yes. Sorry. Yes, okay. Yeah. No. Good. An important word to have. Um, yes. Yeah. A virtual assistant. And she does stuff for my business and she does stuff for my, my personal life and volunteer organizations that I'm involved in. And when I, when I run out of time, she acts as a, you know, staff aug basically for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's been, it's been life changing not to have to sit down and create all my own automations and to schedule all the social media for the week. It's so nice as a content professional to be able to say, you know, take chapter one, section three of the book, turn it into a blog post, create the image for it, optimize the title, um, put it live, post it to these places, create the article from it, post it here. And I can do all of that. It's fine. But it's just that's, you know, that's 45 minutes that I don't have. And if she's 45 minutes a week over the course of a year is a lot of hours. So it's really, really, really nice. And that that was something it took me a long time to do that and hiring people to clean my house. That was (laughs) and I had such like mindset struggles with that, that that's like such an elitist uppity thing to do. But I like my house clean and I would spend four to five hours a week on cleaning. So now I don't. And there's it's it's not that there's anything wrong spending four or five hours a week cleaning. If you enjoy enjoy it or uh, or whatever. But um, like professional people who do this professionally, they are so much better. They take that four or five hours. They do it in like an hour. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I thought I was good at it. Not so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. If uh, I was talking to, uh, if you go back, because you talked about listening to past episodes uh, to Sister Kate, I was talking to Sister Kate about that, and uh, her exact words were, "Look, we're all knowledge workers, right? And we're we're paying people for. I mean, I'm paraphrasing like, whoa, um, but we're paying people for their skills and knowledge, not the quality of the job. So." Um, they have a a like they have a person who does that and is like I don't I trust their judgment to decide when we need to buy new yeah. sheets or when we need to get X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, professionals are great, and I, I outsourcing was my word for 2020 because I don't think I would have gotten through the year without it. And I'm gonna keep that habit rolling into the new year. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a really powerful thing if you can do it. So. That actually yeah, gives us I, a uh, nice. Oh no, go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. Oh okay. I was gonna say I was I was gonna to go for um to to actually segue that into what does a typical day look like? And we've talked a lot about that. If you've taken some of the toil out of it now, mm-hmm. right, between a virtual assistant or uh, you know someone to come in and, and assist with the housekeeping, uh, whatever you know that that frees up your day. Now there's the ideal day and there's the the realistic day. So um, what does a typical day look like? Yeah, you guys have kind of heard what my like idealistic morning looks like. And I get, I would say about 20% of days start like that. Um, 
Otherwise, what my day looks like is I have already reviewed my calendar for the day. So I know when my Mm -hmm. first meeting is and I make the quick mental calculus of what can I squeeze in before my first meeting. Um, And usually that's a workout and breakfast. Um, It's not necessarily getting dressed. Um, So (laughs) I usually start my my first meetings in in, you know, some stage of pajamas and regular clothes. And I work through those because they tend not to be creative type meetings. They tend to be yeah. kind of end of setting meetings, marching order meetings, things like that. So I, I get through those and then I go, you know, midday, I'll go get super freshened up. So I feel mm-hmm. great and I'm ready to like take on the world. And that's when I can do important work. Um, right. And then I spend usually I make one thing that has become a non-negotiable for me in my day is real lunch. So I, I eat lunch oh, yeah. in my home. You know, we have lunch together. We don't always get to have dinner together because mm-hmm. of the way our schedules are. So we have lunch together. So that's kind of a, it's very rare that we don't. So at 12 o'clock or 1230, we head downstairs and we, we have our lunches together. And then we get to sit around and talk and we have a nice time. And it's a real 45 minutes where I am not working. Um, yeah. And then after that, it is it is working until dinner. And then after dinner, it is working some more. I still work a lot, uh, but I really like my work. So I think that's the challenging thing. People are like, don't mm-hmm. you have any hobbies? And I'm like, my work is my hobby. Like, I <laughs> I didn't start this <laughs> because I didn't like doing this stuff. You know, I started this business because it's the most fun way you can possibly spend your day. Is right. You know, like there's no better thing to do. So yeah, that's, that's my day. I mean, it's packed with, with work, but there's those kind of non-negotiable sacred times in there, Mm -hmm. um, for, for lunch specifically. And then, uh, I always try to get, get a workout. And if I don't get a workout in in the morning, then I will usually do it sometime after 9 PM, which is not optimal, (laughs) but you know, you do what you gotta. Yeah, I actually like the idea of doing the lunch as sort of the central thing because there's there's been that whole thing the last couple of years about well the traditional dinner and everyone needs to come together and talk about their day and and dinner is possibly the worst time for that you've you've had a full day you're stressed you know you've got you probably you're probably worried about the other things you need to get done before you pass out for the night um, you're exhausted and taking that oasis moment when you're already in those bad head spaces. Yeah. Like, Lunch. That's, that's brilliant. Well, I mean, it, it, it happened out of necessity more than anything, just because we were all here, you know? So yeah. the kids got to get a specific lunchtime from school, from e-learning that, that we mm-hmm. have a school and we're all in the freaking house. So it's like, you might as well. And then we're talking about different things than we would talk about at dinner because at dinner, it was always like, so how was your day? Good. Yeah. What'd you learn at school? Uh-huh. You know, and at lunch, it's like, what do you got going on right now? Well, we're doing this. I mean, it's, you're mm-hmm. still as rest, right? Like you're in the, the thick of the whole thing. And so it's, it's not just retrospective. We talk about, well, what's the plan? What are we going to do about this? How are we going to manage? Yeah. It? So it's much more like action planning. Um, and it's much more lively. So we, I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's one of the reasons that I always, uh, I say that, people aren't going to go back to work when this whole, everybody's talking about their return to office plans. And I'm like, no, oh, no, no, please hard pass. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, this is, I have no desire and any other, 
you know, professional who is in a corporate space who has been at home for the last nine months, nobody is itching to get back because we have gained a lot. I, and we, I've we heard of like this. I've heard of some large companies saying, you know what? This is great. We don't need offices and nope. closing them like yep. permanently. And think about what that does for their bottom line. Think about what that does for the environmental impact. I mean, there oh, are yeah. only good that comes out of this. Um, although now you also know who the manager who cares more about whether you show up on time and your butt's in a chair um, versus the quality of your work. Like you, you can tell who that manager is now for sure. Nice to have that clarity though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. My whole thing is, you know, if you want to work for someone, that's great, but it has to be more than just, I am, I am trading you time for money. And because I am giving you money, I own your time. That right. is, that's inhuman. Um, I would never treat people like that. And I would never allow people to treat me like that. And I will always make sure that my employees understand that <laughs> not how we roll. You know, I, right you because I value what's between your ears and uh, what's most important is the you know how you can provide the most value with what's between your ears and you need to tell me how that is it's not the other way around so yeah I'll I'll work for you I'll give you the best that I've got but you need to let me do it that way um and if you don't then bye yeah 20 years ago or so um i actually uh during the first bubble the first internet bubble um after uh at least one really bad experience with a with a startup i actually and i've i've had to add these rules as my career has gone on right um the first one i think i ever implemented was if you ever say that the company is more important than my time with my family or that sort of obligation uh i am going to quit Yes. Like that is that is a hard and fast rule. If, if the moment you say that you're more important than my health or my children or my wife, then I'm done. That's it. So. Good. Yeah. That is a very worthwhile line in the sand to draw. Especially, you know, people who are really committed to productivity and to doing their best and to finding how they can best perform. They're not the ones you need to worry about. You know, right. let those people work however the hell they need to. And you go ahead and worry about focus, focus where you need to. Right. And, and educate and, and teach people. That's one of the, that's a big gap. I think I'm finding in a lot of, of corporate environments is there the, the culture around finding the best way to be productive or what your personal, and I'm going to use the term now flow is, is um, if you want to do that, go out and find it on mm-hmm. your own time. This is what we expect here, and this is how your flow should work here. And there, there really needs to be like a, a push to educate like a push. people on how to learn these things. Uh, one of the greatest gifts I think one company gave me was they put they let us go through the Franklin Covey uh, time management training as just yeah. paid for by the company, and I'm like what learn so much that that was the point that set me down this road i'll be honest so. i wondered that that was mine too and it was an oh, yeah? agency i worked with and they because creatives can't keep track of their own time we're terrible um and we'll just work like that's what we do 
And we had this awesome, I worked at a digital agency in 2000 is where I, when I started there. So it was like the olden days of working for a digital agency. And um, the, the guy who owned it had started as a direct response agency, like way back in the heyday of direct mail. And so he was a much, mm-hmm. much older guy. Oh, God. I, I mean, the best heart on a human you could ever have. And he's just like, I noticed you're just, you guys are just working yourselves to death. I don't know what to do about that because I'm a writer too. So I do the same thing, but I don't like seeing it. It makes me sad. So I'm going to send you to this thing. Okay. And so, and I learned so much from that. I mean, I still have taken a lot of the prioritization things from there. I feel like a lot of even the Mm -hmm. newer are kind of based on the old Franklin Covey way of doing things. But yeah, that was kind of the first way. I still have my old binders from back then of like, you know, my old 2001 binders of what I did all year long. Um, and I think, you know, one day I will die and somebody will have to get rid of those things, but it's not going to be me. Um, <laughs> funny. I, I feel like Franklin Covey was an, a gateway drug for a lot of productivity people. Uh, and then you, did you get the same gateway I, drug I did towards good customer service? Um, my very first job in customer service, they put us through the Dale Carnegie training oh, based around I- how to win friends and influence people. I never did, but I have known people who have, and I hear it's it's it sticks with you forever. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, even if you know a lot of the examples in the books could use modernized to the 21st century, but you mm-hmm. know, it's it there's still a lot of foundational principles in there that that are just uh, classic in terms of dealing with customers and customer support. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's probably a worthwhile wild thing for people to dive into. Yep. The other big thing that I would recommend people dive into is um, the book Who Not How, which is Ooh. a really, really nice one um, that essentially stop thinking about how you're going to do it and think about who can help you do it. And it's not just about totally about outsourcing everything, but about mm-hmm. what collaborations and connections you can make in order to make your, uh, to free up, not just to free up more time, but as you were saying, it makes better work when you bring the right experts in. Um, and so that one was a really, a good one for me this year. That was kind of a turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you haven't read it now, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, Jonah Bacon's people powered about communities. Oh, cool. Um, uh, we had, I had Jonah, uh, uh, Jonah on a couple months ago now i don't know time is so squidgy squadgy right now um i looked it up and it's <laughs> yeah. it's like today is march 250 uh, 65th um but uh, uh jonah's been building communities and working with people in those capacities for like literally decades and this is just an amazing book especially when you're looking at nonprofits and contributing which is something you do yeah um, that, I'll, that yeah sounds like a good one i Plus, I love, you know, recommending things that friends wrote. Um. (laughs) Always the best. best. Yeah. And that was, I mean, the whole point of writing my book was about, you know, content systems. And my Mm -hmm. whole my whole focus on content creation is repurposing, is reduce, reuse, recycle, create less, um, reuse it more and repurpose it often. And that I see all these entrepreneurs who are just creating, 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 creating. And in the process, they're like creating this enormous stockpile of stuff that they're never going to look at again. You know, that is just 
with value and they're not getting enough out of it. So that's like my big thing is create a thing and then like squeeze all the juice out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thing. In in my case, uh, you know, I'm. Uh, it, on, on our side of things in IT, uh, you know, I've, I'm involved with the open source community. My company makes an open source project. Uh, so the community aspect, but also having to be very careful around the not invented here syndrome that we often get in tech, where we have a tool that does a thing, but it doesn't do the thing perfectly. So we're just going to go write a whole new tool to do all of those plus the one thing it doesn't do perfectly. And I'm like... You know, okay, uh, there are 15 other solutions that will do this. Yeah, but it's it's not it's just not 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 just right. I'm like, we could contribute back or something. No, no, you're dead set on writing our own tool to do this thing that has already been solved by 15 other people. Yeah, it's but I mean it's the same in a creative uh, aspect. Okay, I'm gonna do this thing. Oh, I have a blog post. I have to go out and I have to redo all my templates from scratch. No, don't. Don't redo your templates from scratch. <laughs> it's a mindset thing, too. It's one of those things yeah. that keeps us from doing the important work when we're spinning our wheels on stuff that doesn't need to be done because the yeah. important work is terrifying. Um, and that's, I mean, procrastination, let's, everybody likes to knock it. Procrastination serves a valuable <laughs> point in our lives. It protects us from doing work that makes us vulnerable. And creating content in an endless freaking hamster wheel is procrastination at its finest. Um, and let's let's not pretend it's anything else. And same for not invented here syndrome. It's like, OK, we, we could solve bigger problems, but this is the thing you want to work on. OK. OK. Yeah, there there are ways to solve this problem that already exist, but OK, fine. Um, I'm not paying you, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and I think we've actually talked a lot about that. Uh, what other advice? Have you been given or would you give somebody else? You know, the two best pieces of advice I got, one was from my total workaholic mother who always said, you do what you have to do and then you can do what you want to do, which mm -hmm. for us at the time meant, you know, do your homework, then you can play. But I take it, I mean, the way that I've kind of internalized it is a little bit differently. Like there are the things that are absolute priority to your business, to your health, to your life. Those are the things you have to do. And those are the things that need to get done first. So that's, I still say that in my head, you do what you have to do first, then you can do what you want to do. Um, yeah. you want to do usually is the small little piddly things in your business. So, um, and then the other thing that a coach told me that is, has taken me forever is don't work with your phone in the same room, put your phone. <laughs> and that has been enormously helpful. Yeah. As to the first one, there's a lot of people, and I want to say more like my parents, uh, possibly your parents' generation, who take that, you do what you have to do, then you can do what you want to do, in a much broader sense, in that um, my parents were like, we are going to travel, but we can't do that right now. We're going to do it after we retire, and we're going to do it after we retire. We're going to have to, you know. Um, have they traveled as much as they said they were going to? Not really. Yeah. You know, um, and so there's taking it on a, on a, on, on sort of that, yeah, day to day level, do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do today or this week, mm -hmm. I think is an incredibly valuable and powerful thing. I worry when we start to apply it to things like, well, you do what you have to do and then you can do what you want to do in this life. Yeah. That, that's a yeah. whole 
a kettle of fish. Like do what you have to do for 45 years and then you can do what you want to do because you had a whole like miserable existence of not of denying yourself what you want. No, none of that. Like work without joy is not the right kind of work. So with you. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, 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 that that observation made it a lot easier for me to say things like, "We have uh, an opportunity to go to, I don't know, uh, uh, Dublin or Berlin or whatever for my wife's profession." Great, I'm going to take a week off and I'm going to go to Dublin and I'm going to go to Berlin with her. Awesome. Right? There's there's no reason for me to stay home when the kids are with their mom and mm-hmm. you know. It, as long as I got somebody to take care of the chickens, the dogs, and the cats, we're good. Yeah, and you can figure that out. That's totally yeah. figurable. Yeah. So, thinking along those lines, I have two questions left. Yeah. Uh, listener feedback has has made me realize that they are the sad but easy question and the happy but difficult question. And I do them in that order now because we want to end on the happy one. <laughs> Um, the, the, the quote, sad but easy question is, um, you know, failure is a part of everything. So how do you deal with failure or when you miss that big goal? You know, I, frankly, I go numb for a little bit and mm-hmm. just kind of distract myself with food and TV for a couple days. I thought about that question and I'm like, I want to say something like, you know, I take it as a learning experience. I do eventually. But at first, I just like, I'm just like, "Uh, I'm not going to think about that. And I'm just going to go watch the Great British Baking Show and make some cookies with my kids. Um, And after about 36 hours of that, I've kind of done a lot of the processing around it. And I Mm -hmm. just come and say, I have a plan now. There's not a whole lot of introspection that happens there. I, that's, that's how I process it though. And then Mm -hmm. when I come out of that, it's like, okay, I know what I did wrong. And I know how, what it needs to what needs to be done the next time. Um, doesn't mean I'm always super happy about it and like, look what I learned. But that's that's <laughs> how I generally get get on to my next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there there are so many ways people people do that, and I I, I admire the uh, the people who can just be like, well, that's a thing. Let's take it apart. Let's figure out what, what went wrong, where I went wrong and how I can make it better. And I'm like, you can do that immediately. I, I need to go sit in the bathroom and, and like yell at myself for half an hour before I can get there. I need to take a pity second and I, I'm not going to, you know, be mad at myself for that. That's just, that's what I need in order to get back to that point. And it doesn't take me long. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to take what I need. And what I need is, um, you know, comforting reality television and some carbs. So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, side note, uh, this season's uh, great British baking show was wonderful. Um, and uh, and I, I am still disappointed that Lottie did not get any further than she did. So it was just fun with her. She had such a great attitude. I loved it. Um. It was very enjoyable. Oh, happy times. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's the that's the easy one. The the one that a lot of people struggle with, uh, but it's happy is do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? It's a great question. And 
just thinking it through, I was like, you know what? I don't celebrate my successes nearly as often as I should. And I think that's you true. You are not alone. <laughs> I, I think it's true of a lot of people because we we want to accomplish so much. And w- it's so hard for us to just recognize, like, hey, I did a thing and it was awesome. And he, I should be really proud of myself. And and I, you know, you should do something to, to commemorate this. And I typically don't. I mean, in the olden days, in the pre-pandemic days, we'd like go out to dinner or something. Or maybe I'd go get a pedicure um small things like that but now it's like the main things are you know we'll be like okay it's a cookie baking weekend let's bake cookies there's such small celebrations and so i guess you don't need to do something big and grand but it really did make me think i've never rewarded myself with like a vacation for a massive achievement why not vacations are great they're good for you and you need them i've never rewarded myself with like something that i've really kind of had my heart set on for an achievement you know, like, mm-hmm. and so I was thinking that through and I'm like, okay, note to self, maybe that's something that, that we need to do a little bit more of. I mean, my, my self celebrations are very tepid at best. It's like, woohoo, we're going <laughs> to nails, you know, like what? That's like basic hygiene. So I, yeah, I'm really bad at that and I don't mind saying so. I, I have a Lego set I have sitting behind me. Um, Lego sets are both my, here, I'm going to celebrate by tuning the world out and assembling a Lego set, and my, uh, shit's hard, I need to tune everything out, and assembling a Lego set just lets me, lets me get everything out of my brain and just work step by step. By the way, if I forgot to mention, swearing's okay. Um, No. So, uh, but I've got one that my wife bought me, and it's like, okay. Uh, I'm like, things haven't been at the, I need to shut everything down and just put one brick on top of the other following instructions so that I don't explode. But, you know, it's been a good, it's been a good month. Uh, holidays are coming up. Maybe, maybe it's time to sit down and assemble that one before the Christmas ones start coming in. <laughs> yes. It's, you're going to have, what, what do they call it? Um, uh, it's Lego debt, essentially. You have this, this stack of Lego yeah. Been built like we have some Lego debt in our house right now. It's very sad. Yeah, I mean it. It also depends on the kit because now that I am older and have real money, uh, it's like, oh yes, I love the Mandalorian, and oh look, there's a Razor Crest. So I'm going to buy the hundred and fifty dollar Razor Crest and spend like five hours putting it together because that's how long it takes. You <laughs> though because you just yeah. can't do it. It's amazing. Oh yeah. Um. That's everything. Well, it was so delightful to talk to you today. Yeah. Well, now, I, the, you've mentioned it a couple times. You've got a book out now. I do. It's called, since swearing's okay, then I feel good yeah. about that. Um, it's called The Real Deal, Get Known for Your Genuine Expertise in an Era of Bullshit Gurus. Uh, <laughs> and it really, it's, it's for people who know actual things um, mm-hmm. and who, who want to share the actual things that they know. And how to do that in a way that makes sense that's not going to eat their entire lives. Right. Awesome. Yep, that's and, my book, and it was a, a really fun thing. I was that jerk who wrote a book during the pandemic, as my sister says. You know, I'm still mad at the people who are like, man, you should be using this at-home time to start five new hustles and, and get this that. and that and the other. And I'm like, are you freaking nuts? 
You know, I can barely process going to the grocery store and you want me to have three three side hustles by the end of the week. No, you, go away. No, those expectations are not okay. That's uh, right. You, everybody does what they can. And for me, this was a particular moment in time. And so it worked out well for me for other, you know, for yeah. critical reasons. And it was fun. It was one of the most fun things I ever did. And I would totally do it again. Um, and I really like helping other people do it. So it was a, it was a blast. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and so I will, I will be linking that and a whole bunch of other things in the show notes. Uh, where can we find you online? You can find me at marykategulick.com. That's M-A-R-Y-K-A-T-E-G-U-L-I-C-K.com. Or if you're big into Facebook groups, my Facebook group is for, uh, real deal experts. Who are creating called the Real Deal Experts Creating Content Group. So you can find me there. I will. I will. I will also put those links in the show notes. So, awesome. um, yeah, that's that. Thank well, you so thank much. You, thank you. This was yeah. such a joy. Good conversation. Always, always a lot of fun. I love these. I love doing these. And uh, you know, if things change or you've you've got uh, a different flow or want to talk again, just you know, reach out. Be love it. To do it. Absolutely, do that. And for the people at home, we'll be right back after this. I had a great time talking to Mary Kate. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I do need to still pick up the book and read it, but that's okay because it just, I, I like talking to people about this stuff. I know. Yeah. It, it's, uh, this is a great, great, uh, this is a, a good use of your talents. You genuinely enjoy talking to other human beings. Yeah. I find that alien and strange, but I'm so glad you're happy. <laughs> So our word for this week, as tempting as it is to say bullshit gurus, is not. <laughs> our word for this week is real deal, all one word. And you can put that word into the badge code entry on productivityalchemy.com and get this week's badge. Oh man, the bullshit gurus could have had a great graphic though. Uh, well, that was, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. Anyway, uh, you can find out more about badges at productivityalchemy.com. There's a menu drop down that talks about open badges and how to collect them. And uh, knock on wood, everything is working right now. So uh, it makes uh, you me should happy. stop saying that. You should just say, you know, because like every time it, every time we do one of these, you say, "I think it's working now." Or uh, then, I, uh, yeah, you I know. get an email. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, so, yeah. It is currently Schrodinger's badge. Does it work? <laughs> we don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway. If you go to the website, you can also find ways to give us money. But as we usually say these days, don't tell your friends and family about us. Yeah. We are, uh, you know, you could give us money on Patreon or Ko-fi, but 
we're doing fine and there are lots of other places who need it worse and Kevin just in fact yeah across uh, an interesting one one of my coworkers is, is actually doing a, uh, a campaign uh, for Berea College I hope I'm saying that right um, their mission is to educate the people who get accepted and in doing so they cover a hundred percent of the tuition and they do that through their own foundation and donations and things like that. All the money that gets donated into them basically goes into the foundation fund, which then goes to pay for tuition. That's which pretty is, cool. Which is, yeah. So, uh, and some of the stories about, you know, here's a young man from Appalachia who, you know, first person to go to college. Here's a, a gentleman from Africa. I can't remember the specific country. Uh, you know, I mean... Uh, all sorts of these these things that they are able to do. I uh, yeah. I gotta say the um, the college I went to, McAllister, has a very very large private endowment. Um, at the time I went, it was possibly the largest of the uh, the private colleges that um, uh, for its size. Uh, like they had a thousand students and. They picked up, uh, I want to say, ninety percent of the tab for my my thing. Yeah. They were able to do that largely because the uh, uh, guy who founded Reader's Digest uh, had a uh, ran their scholarship fund basically or paid for it, and that's the only reason I could afford to go there because even at the time it was forty thousand bucks a year, and this yeah. was in. 94 so you know god knows what it is now but uh they paid for virtually everything and it is foundations like that are basically the reason that a lot of people are uh like me were able to go to college um i would love free tuition for everyone but yes. in the yeah. world we live in at the moment this is uh this is a good thing and one of the other things about this college is that they were they're in Kentucky they were an integrated college prior to the Civil War so good on them yeah um, they are uh, you know uh, liberal arts college generally, uh, we, so. we can probably assume racial equity is one of their big oh uh, yeah big oh yeah big things, things, big things. Yeah. so um, yeah and because one of my coworkers is like hey you, you know we're having a, a like a matching donations thing i'm like can i put it on and he's like sure and i looked into it and i'm like yeah no this this is this is you can support young people and getting their education and uh, i think it's just wonderful i do fantastic yeah especially as i pay for my youngest son's college out of pocket i'm like oh yeah, yeah. anyway uh that's it for this week um we hope you are all having productive weeks again we hope that you all's back are in better yes. condition than mine yes um and uh i hope we're all enjoying that refreshing moment of waking up and going and not feeling the need to go look at the news to see what horrible thing a world leader has done overnight in our name yeah now we just get up look at the news see if mitch mcconnell's still a shithead and the I don't even is, know why we have money to look at the news for right, that. To know that. So, <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, that's that's it for this week. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Check out uh, Mary-Kate's stuff. There, there are links. Check out uh, Berea College. And remember, folks, do your best to stay productive.
I'm not productive. I'm going to go lay in bed and mope. Healing is productivity. Damn you on the technicality.